0: Right, back of to the Rock of Talk. macro aggression. Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk. All right, five forty here in the Kiva. We have a uh, debate for the congressional district number one. Brett Cochinitis, Jared Van Duzen, right here in the Kiva. Very excited about having both of these candidates here. Young, motivated, want to change this Berlio County. Represent. Um, New Mexico, Berlioz County, up in Washington, D.C. We've got a lot of questions uh, here for the debate. As always, we're going to go ahead and uh, outline the sort of the basis of how it is going to happen. There is going to be 17 topics in all. We'll go over the next uh, hour and 20 minutes, roughly. We'll allow three questions for each of them for one another. Of course, to sort of display what is on the minds of each of the candidates on a part of one, of the, one another. And, of course, we're going to start out with the uh, opening statements for each of them. We'll start out first with Jared Vanderduzen, Congressional District number 1. Jared, good afternoon. Give us your opening statement.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Eddie. I truly appreciate it. I'm running for New Mexico's first congressional district because it's time that we have a congressperson person who puts New Mexico first. For far too long, New Mexico has been left in the dust, and we need to make sure that we are doing everything in D.C. to make sure that we are getting our fair shake, to make sure New Mexicans have their life a little bit easier here within the district. I love the state of New Mexico. This is where I was born and raised. This is where my family is. This is where I want to raise my family. I know New Mexico has so many opportunities. We just need new leadership in order to unleash it.
0: That's the conclusion of your opening statement, Jared Vanderduzen. And, uh, Jared, very uh, quick question for you. Where do you come from? And tell us about your educational background.
1: For sure. I grew up in Clovis, New Mexico, on my parents' dairy farm. From there, I did undergrad at Texas Tech University in Lubbock, where I then went to the University of New Mexico School of Law here in Albuquerque. I am now acting as general counsel for my family's farms, and I have lived in Albuquerque for just going on four years now.
0: Brett Coconitis, Congressional District No. 1 candidate here, live in the Kiva. Five minutes to go ahead and talk about your issues. Opening statement for Congressional District No. 1 for the Republican Party in Berlioz County.
2: Hey, Eddie, it's good to be back. Thanks for having us on the show. Thank you
0: so much for being here.
2: Thanks. So, you know, I I entered this race uh, in April of 2019 because I was a frustrated citizen, a small business owner, an entrepreneur for over 20 years, And day in and day out, my job is to solve problems and create opportunities. I didn't see that in New Mexico. And I just saw the candidates who we had before in the last election, and I just said, we need smarter people in office. We need the experience of a small business person to solve problems. And instead of saying that we need a leader, we actually need representatives. That's the point of this job, is to represent the voice of the constituents in New Mexico. But most importantly... We need to win. We need to be able to fire Deb, Deb Holland. And that's the only thing that matters in this race. And through that whole process, you know, I was called a Republican in disguise when I was talking out against Democrats as a Democrat. And now I've spent the past 12, 13 months of my life fighting for New Mexico, going to the rallies, organizing events going to legislative sessions and i've earned the support of groups like bikers for trump sheriff tony mace sheriff greg hamilton and what's important is that we have elected representatives that show that they can stand with the people and that are that's someone that can actually do something and is doing something because we're in a very critical time in this state
0: Brett Coconitis, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for showing up. Uh, Very quickly, there are three candidates in this race. Michelle Garcia-Holmes is the third candidate. We have attempted to go ahead and move the debate several times to go ahead and accommodate her schedule. And Brett and Jared, will allow you to go ahead and uh, commentate on whether or not she's been able to respond to any of the open debates. And I'll let you two go ahead and talk about uh, your ability to interact with Michelle Garcia Holmes who from the Republican uh, county primary appeared to be the uh, leading uh, vote getter
1: Well Eddie if she's not going to show up now when's she going to show up when she's in Congress if you're not listening to your voters during campaign season you're dang sure not going to listen to them when uh, you're up in DC so I think that you if you say you're going to show up you need to show up if you're running to be a representative you need to represent and that means showing up to obligations, listening to your voters, and actually being a representative that goes to D.C. and voices the concerns of the district.
0: Brett, I'd like to uh, have you comment on Michelle Garcia-Holmes' ability to show up to any of these debates and forums.
2: Well, Eddie, uh, you know, as, as I've said on the air before on your show, I, I don't believe in attacking any other Republican candidate sure. in the race. And I will say, you know, I don't know what Michelle's doing today. She may have a different obligation. I have seen Michelle at a couple of the events. She was actually out in uh, Estancia on Monday with me at okay. a Memorial Day service. So,
0: All right. We'll leave it right there. I have uh, attempted to move the uh, debate for each of these candidates, but particularly for Michelle Garcia-Holmes. She is not here today at 545 here in the kiva we'll be back in two minutes to talk with each of these candidates and have the actual debate here in the kiva on am 1600 kiva 93.7 fm the web the app abq.fm we'll talk about term limits trump the wall immigration sanctuary cities gun control abortion health care economy socialism oil and gas taxes china COVID 19 deficits and debt First Amendment, media, and, of course, we'll have the closing statements from each of these candidates, as well as three questions from either of these candidates for one another or, in general, here in the Kiva. Thanks, everybody, for listening here. 546, back into to start this CD1 debate for the Republican Party here in the Kiva. AM 1600, KVA, 93.7 FM, the web, the FABQ.FM. Actual aggression. Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Time. All right, five fifty, going all the way to six forty-five here this evening for the CD one debate for the Republican Party. Brett Cochinitus, as well as Jared Van Dusen, right here in the Kiva. M six hundred KIA ninety three point seven FM. Michelle Garcia Holmes has decided to skip. We attempted to accommodate her schedule several times, six in all, and uh, never could actually do that. And uh, Brett and Jared, Jared, i gonna let you go first. Uh, Michelle has not. Not been able to accommodate any of the schedules um, according to uh, the planner out there has she debated or gone to any forums thus far
1: you know there was a forum that she was supposed to attend that she dipped out on that both brett and i attended and i just find that extremely troubling when you say you're going to show up you need to show up and that's what we expect out of our congressional uh, delegation
0: Brett, I know you don't want to talk negatively about anybody else, uh, of course, but she has yet to debate you uh, here, and this is the last opportunity for her to debate you. She stated, actually, explicitly to me, that she did not want to give either one of you name recognition on the ballot. And uh, that's six or seven days away. i got to tell you, that's pretty poor sportsmanship on behalf of Michelle Garcia-Holmes, former Democrat, trying to run as a Republican here in the uh, state of New Mexico.
2: Yeah, I think... Um... You know, before the COVID lockdown, uh, all of us were kind of going to events around New Mexico. Sure. Uh, different gatherings and things like that. And it's really up to the voters to decide at this point.
0: Okay. Very good. All right. Let's go ahead and start first. We're going to go back and forth, forth and back. Judge Van Der Duzen, let's talk about term limits and Congress. Are you for or against term limits and how many terms? How would
1: you go? You know, I am a supporter of term limits. The House of Representatives is the house of the people. A person is supposed to be elected from their community to go up up there and represent their district. I think a four solid terms is good. That brings us up to eight years. That uh, puts you in par with the presidency. And then for the Senate, I think that that should be a total of two terms or 12 years.
0: Wow! Oh, uh, two terms? You mean U.S. Senate, correct? Correct. Yes, because sir. uh U.S. Uh, congressional houses actually two, two terms. So, so four now,
1: terms, eight years.
0: Okay, four terms, eight years. Mm-hmm. Now for you, Brett Cochinitis, congressional candidate, district number one. Are you for or against term limits, and how many terms?
2: So Eddie, I was one of the first candidates uh, to announce my race, and and the first thing that I did was sign on to TermLimits.com's U.S. Term Limit pledge, and their position is for the House two terms excuse me three terms or six years for the house and two terms or 12 years for the senate and i I don't know jared if you signed that or not but i i know that you've advocated for supporting term limits um as far as their website is concerned i've been the only candidate that's actually signed the pledge
0: jared go ahead and reinforce your position on term limits
1: I am a supporter of term limits. I have not signed that pledge, um, but you hear it now. It's been posted on my social media. I am very much a supporter of term limits.
0: Okay. Will you be willing to uh, sign that pledge? Oh, for sure. Okay. All right. Let's talk about Donald Trump and Brett Does Trump, the current economy, and his record help or hurt your ability and the Republican chances to win back CD2 in 2020?
2: Well, I think that question uh, needs to be twisted a little bit here, Eddie, because First off, before the COVID crisis and the Democratic lockdown in the state, the economy was on fire. The president added a ton of jobs. A lot of industries were affected by this, including manufacturing. Uh, I think right now, seeing in contrast of what we're going to be holding here after the Lujan lockdown in this state Mm -hmm. is going to help Republicans. Because small businesses right now are suffering. And they're going to hold that uh, administration accountable. So... I hear it more and more democrat business owners are going to be voting with republicans this election cycle
0: jared van Der Duesen, does trump the current economy and his record actually help or hurt your republican chances to win back the cd2 or actually the cd3 uh cd1 seat in 2020.
1: it does uh, this president before we saw the pandemic we had a record low unemployment amongst minority groups we saw a flourishing economy our stock market was booming This president has been nothing but good for our country and our state, and I think he actually does help this district tremendously.
0: All right, let's move on. Back to Brett Kokanidis. Name one accomplishment, Brett, from the Donald Trump administration that stands out to you. How how can you uh, support and sell Donald Trump to the rest of New Mexico?
2: Well, you know, Donald Trump was here uh, again earlier last year, and pre-COVID, I mean, four million jobs were created. 400,000 manufacturing jobs with the fastest growth that we've seen in a long time. It was bringing back patriotism. And I think that's the biggest thing for me was just reinvigorating what it means to be an American, what it means to be uh, proud of our flag and standing united. I mean, we've had the lowest veteran unemployment rates, the right to try, uh, regulation reductions. And I think one of the ones that we'll be proud about is
0: the Obamacare penalty was removed. Jared Vander same question for you. Name one accomplishment from the Donald Trump administration that stands out to you. How can you sell Donald Trump to the rest of the state of New Mexico?
1: You know, New Mexico has always been heavily reliant on federal dollars, and this president has been highly supportive of our military. We have seen vast investments in our laboratories and our Air Force base. This president supports our military. New Mexico is made up of military members, and that is something that truly stands out, how much this president cares about our veterans and our current military people that are serving.
0: All right, final question uh, for you here on Donald Trump and the wall. Jared VanderDusen, how much of the wall has actually been constructed up until this point? And are you for or against the construction of the wall here in the state of New Mexico and throughout the rest of the country?
1: Not nearly enough of the wall has been completed. We need to finish that thing completely, implementing a physical barrier where it makes sense and implementing technology where a physical barrier doesn't make sense. I am a supporter of the wall. It can have a nice big door, like the president has said. Put a doorbell on it. You expect to know who's walking into your house. That's the exact same way our country should be.
0: Brett Kokonitis, same question for you How much of the wall has actually been constructed? Please answer that point. And are you for or against the construction of the wall going forward?
2: So I think in New Mexico, the last figures I saw was about 31 out of 46 miles that was constructed. That is actually correct, yep. I think back in February was the last time that those figures were updated. I am in support of the wall, and I would echo a lot of what Jared said. I think we agree a lot on that.
0: How would you convince Brett Someone that opposes the wall to get behind it. In other words, how would you sell people on the wall?
2: Well, I think the first thing that we can look at is what we wanted to do during the COVID crisis and what we did do. We closed down the borders mutually agreed upon between Mexico and Canada. And that just kind of clearly indicates that we need to have control over our borders. And that means that we need to have resources such as the wall to do such.
0: Jared Vanderdeuzen, how would you convince someone that opposes the wall to get behind it? How would you sell people on the wall from Donald Trump?
1: You know, as Americans, we use fences in every aspect of our life. You'll see one driving down the street, and when you see a fence, you are less likely to cross that fence. And that's exactly what we need with our border. We need a barrier that it may not fix the problem completely, but it's going to deter people from crossing illegally. It's going to slow drugs coming into our country. We have an opioid epidemic and a drug problem here in Albuquerque. We sit on the corridor of I25 and I40. We need to solve that problem and a border wall, a border fence or technology along that border is going to make sure that we can slow that problem not only from an immigration standpoint but also from a drug standpoint that harms our families here within the first congressional district.
0: Jared Vander is in back to you on immigration. How would you curb the amount of drugs coming into the country besides the wall, of course? What else could potentially deter both immigration and cartels and the drug trade coming into new mexico and the united states
1: well definitely heavier penalties if somebody is caught smuggling drugs into our country they need to be held accountable and not be able to just go back out on the street where they can do it again furthermore um on that standpoint the physical wall does help as well but we also need to look at mental health issues as well what leads people to go buy drugs do they have the proper education behind drugs Are we not giving them an opportunity here within our state where they turn to drugs? Um, That's something we definitely need to look at. We need to grow opportunities here in the state of New Mexico. We need to look at the mental health of what's going on, education, but make sure that we can definitely uh, curb that aspect of dependency upon drugs.
0: Brett and I have the same question for you. How would you curb the amount of drugs coming into the country besides the wall from Donald J. Trump? And how else could you both deter immigration And cartels coming into New Mexico and the United States. Sure. So
2: people bring drugs into this country because it's profitable. It's easy. Things like the wall will help. But the first thing that we have to look at is the criminal justice system. Even the U.S. Attorney General said that New Mexico has a subpar judicial system. And enforcing our laws is going to be a critical component of that. You know, there's other countries that have far worse punishment for similar crimes. The other is disincentivizing uh, drug transportation by working with New Mexico, working with Mexico itself. And we can see some of those actions have already been struck with the president, like the USMCA, but creating economic opportunities to give drug smugglers another opportunity or another chance to actually create revenue or have a job or have a career in their home country.
0: We're speaking of Brett Coconatus and... Jared Vandert is in here in the Kiva. Let's talk more about uh, immigration, sanctuary cities. Uh, first to you, Brett Coconutis, how can we change the attitudes of New Mexicans about sanctuary cities? We seem to be very for that. How can we change the attitudes here in New Mexico?
2: Well, the, there's a hot topic of that this week, Eddie. You know, the Albuquerque Journal talked about $9.7 million possibly being in jeopardy for the city of Albuquerque because of the city's policy around sanctuary cities. You know, the thing that people have to understand, and I think many do, that sanctuary cities harbor criminals, they create an dangerous environment for U.S. citizens, sanctuary policies defy federal laws to which states and local governments are bound to abide, and sanctuary policies prevent local and state police officers from doing their jobs. You know, this is a feeding ground for socialism, and we're pulling resources and funding away from communities, resources from law enforcement that could be used to address actual crime and solve New Mexico's problems.
0: All right, Jared the same question for you. How would you curb the amount of drugs coming into the country besides the wall? What else could deter both immigration and cartels coming to New Mexico and U.S.? As well as the? how can we change the attitudes of New Mexicos in the uh, in terms of these sanctuary cities?
1: I believe I just answered that one for you, Eddie. I can do it again, though. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, Definitely the physical barrier, but we have to look at mental health as well as what's actually bringing drugs into our state. We sit on the corridor of I-25 and I-40, which allows uh, drugs to come straight up from our southern border and into our cities and into our countries. We need to look at mental health, see what's causing people to turn to drugs, definitely look at opportunities and make sure that we have opportunities for people to go into, and that way they don't have to resort to drugs. Um, It's definitely a wide varying issues, but we have to address it, whether it's from securing the border, if it's a health issue, or whether it's um, not a lack of opportunity here within the 1st Congressional District.
0: Brett Kukanetis for you, what are the downsides to sanctuary cities in New Mexico and in this country? And how can we stop the uh, pushing forward of sanctuary cities here in this country in New Mexico?
2: Well, Eddie, like we said earlier in the show, I mean, the, the sanctuary cities... They harbor criminals that create a dangerous environment for our citizens uh, across the state, in our cities. Um, the policies defy our federal laws, and we are a land and country of laws. Sanctuary policy prevents local and state police officers from doing their jobs. Um, and, you know, just it's it's another feeding ground for socialism. We can look at California and what's, what's happening there. A lot of those same things are being echoed here in Albuquerque. Uh, and pulling resources and funding from the communities and, and services that we, we desperately need in this state.
0: All right, let's talk more about gun control and the uh, Second Amendment red flag laws actually being passed in the state of New Mexico this year. Brett Cook for you. 28 of 33 counties in New Mexico have become gun-free sanctuaries. That's but gun stores are actually closed during the COVID-19, the red flag laws that were enacted here in 2020. How can we push back against the unconstitutional efforts of the Democrats here in 2020?
2: Well, Eddie, you know, while that all was happening in the state legislature, I was at every single legislative session standing with the sheriffs. We went to every single freedom rally and Second Amendment rally that they had at the Capitol. Uh, you know, I spoke and gave testimony in Albuquerque when they were trying to pass city ordinances as well as the state capitol at the roundhouse. The big thing is, you know, we need to elect state and local pro-2A candidates. The chief uh, senator in the state that was the author of that, Joseph Cervantes, who also ran for New Mexico's governorship uh, in 2017, said that our legislation was a leading example. However... It was amended six times wow. and then passed into law. So, you know, this is, this is a, a thing that we can see time and time again happening in, in, in the federal level in the U.S. House of Representatives, you know, with universal background check and specific things that the Democrats are trying to push through. But this issue really needs to be focused on at the state level and ultimately needs to be taken to Supreme Court. And I think we'll, we'll see that happen.
0: Jared Vandert is in the same question for you. 20 of 33 counties in New Mexico have become gun-free sanctuaries. Gun stores are closed during COVID-19. or red flag laws enacted here in 2020. How can we push back against the unconstitutional efforts of the Democrats here in the state of New Mexico? What could you do as U.S. Congressperson?
1: A play out of the Democratic playbook. Make a sanctuary city. How do they like it now? Anyway, uh, we definitely need to focus on red flag laws. That's completely unconstitutional. It's taking away your property without due process of law i am so excited to watch this go through the court system and watch it get knocked down our state legislatures had no business passing this law they passed it because it was feel-good legislation and they were trying to curtail our liberties and that is something that has to stop within our state legislature in congress i will make sure that i am doing everything to advocate for our second amendment it is a constitutional right that says shall not be infringed, and I will never do anything that infringes upon our Second Amendment further than it already has been.
0: Jared VanderDisen, as well as Brett Kokonett is here in the Kiva. Last question for you before we take a quick break. Abortion. Let's talk about New Mexico being the latest abortion capital of the world. Jared VanderDisen, how can we overcome this in the state? What will you do to deal with this when you go to Washington from the bully pulpit of the first congressional district to move this back
1: definitely and i am pro-life always have been i think that every life is worth protecting in the words of dr seuss a person is a person no matter how small and i will do everything in congress i can to make sure that we are protecting life what that comes down to in the first congressional district is making sure we are providing people opportunities that way if they do become pregnant they don't have to see an abortion as the option. They say, oh no, we are secure in our livelihood that we can care for this child and move our life forward caring for this child. It all comes down to opportunity and making sure that New Mexicans can start moving forward.
0: Brad Cook, and I had the same question for you. Let me get to it very quickly here in the uh, Kiva. Good stuff uh, here. Thank you, as always, uh, for uh, joining in, by the way, folks. Um, Same question uh, for you on uh, abortion third trimester capital of the world. What will you do to uh, roll it back from the uh, bully pulpit of the first congressional district seat of uh, Albuquerque in Bernalillo County up in D.C.?
2: So I think this is a topic that unites all Republicans and even the Democrats across the state. I mean, we've had a lot of opportunity to talk to Democrats, and they still have a very strong drive for a pro-life agenda. And the president has come out as one of his platform items and initiatives to end late-term abortion. And I think the most important thing is to, one, uh, find our allies on the Democrat side in, in the House to make sure that we can provide support to the president and, of course, stand united with the president as well as other Republicans to push that legislation forward. I mean, this is one of the immediate things that we can do that will save lives, make a different difference, and end tourism for abortions in New Mexico.
0: All right, that's the first half of the debate for Congressional District Number 1 here in the Kiva on AM 1600 KVA 93.7 FM. The web, the app, ABQ.FM. Brachokonitis as well as Jared Vanderduzen right here in the Kiva.